Hey, welcome back to the Sod Blocks podcast. Uh, this is the foundational and transformational Torah podcast where we share Torah that is designed to blow our minds and change our lives and really sort of upgrade everything about how we think and how we access the deepest parts of ourselves and really discover Hashem in the real world, inside and outside. And so this particular episode, this is a continuation of the Nefesh Chaim series. This is episode number six. We are working currently on uh, the first section of Nefesh Chaim, and it is chapter five. This is the second part of chapter five. So if you're trying to figure out according to the chapters, we'll call it 5.2. Section one, chapter 5.2. And this section so far has been talking a lot about, so again, the structures uh, of the universe, sort of how Hashem translates himself into the physical universe that we see around us. And the reason why this is so important is just because uh, really for two reasons. One is because this is actually the same way that you operate. You translate yourself. You are an endless consciousness. And you can call it, think of you as an endless fragment. An en- it's just a little bit, you know, uh, sort of oxymoronic, contradicting. But you are this intangible, endless self that is manifest through a series of tools that translates you into the thing that we see and that we interact with. And that that's, you know, I'm using my voice right now as one of those tools. And so that's one of the reasons why it's so important to understand the mechanics of how Hashem does this, because you do it in exactly the same way. And the second reason is because in order to actually get close to Hashem and understand Hashem, so you have to learn these types of mechanics, and that's really what this is all about. Uh, you can also learn more about those types of mechanics specifically in, without the text if you want to go onto my YouTube channel. Yisod Blocks is the name of the channel over there, and you'll find some videos about that too. So here, the last thing we were speaking about was how even though there's almost like this endless series of, of parts that essentially comprise each of the wires that Hashem uses to transmit His being into what we experience as the physical universe. That was our, that was our analogy. We had sort of like a, a hub or like a central hub that was the ultimate power source of the whole universe. Hashem, you can think of Hashem as like that, that, that central power source. And then He has all these wires that come out from Him and eventually, you know, they, they, they run all the way from Him through this network, and eventually at the other end, they manifest as actual things inside the universe, and then how our beings, our consciousness fragments, are sort of like mini hubs that are strewn within the system, and we also have wires that feed out from us, and we also influence Hashem's wires and influence Hashem's self, and so there's this resonating system of consciousness fragments that intersect with the, the consciousness source, and so that's what you are. You are a consciousness fragment, and Hashem is the totality of consciousness. And we're going to obviously go more into what that is as we as we develop these some of these things. But what we sort of ended off with last time was that these con- these wires that that are the translation of or transmission uh, of Hashem's being into the physical universe that we see around us. So those wires are actually made up of of discrete parts. There are separate parts. Sorry about that noise. There are discrete separate parts that every wire is made up of. And so if we just zoom in on one wire for a second, so you'll see that there's, it's actually almost made up of separate units where each unit is sort of in some way connected to the next unit and the previous unit. And we're gonna talk about that connection a little bit. But the idea here is that each of those units, if there's thousands and thousands of them going all the way from up from Hashem, uh, all the way down to the actual uh, physical world. So those separate units or parts, they are, they're sort of even though there's so many there's thousands of them you're able to categorize them into four main categories so you can think of it as if there's a th- imagine there's a thousand of these units or parts 
that comprise one wire that links Hashem's uh, core consciousness self to, let's just pick a random thing that we mentioned last time, a hydrogen atom. So you have an atom that is, that is now being powered, its existence is being powered by one of these wires, and so and there's a thousand parts making up that wire. So we could break those, those, those parts into four categories. So let's just say 250 in the first category, the next 250 in the second, the next 250 in the third, and the last 250 in the fourth category. So you can think of each category as having uh, you know, four different parts like that. Four, uh, uh, this, each category has 250 of the units, and there's 1,000 units in total. <clears throat> so what we're saying here, if you just kind of continue where we were, ended off last time where we were reading, um, we are on page 12. If you're looking in the in the Nefshachayim uh, edition, that's the most common one, and that's it's it's Shar Aleph, which is again section one, Parak Hay, um, chapter five, and there what it starts saying is um, the four layers of reality, uh, sorry, the layers of reality may, are comprised of four different parts categories, and those are called Ofanim v'chayot v'kisei kvodo v'atzilus kodshu yisbarach. So these are the terms that he uses, Ofanim and chayos and kisei kavod and atzilus. Now some of these terms might be familiar. Uh, if you've ever read any of the of the liturgy of the tefillah that we say, the Kedusha, for example, on uh, in Shmon Esrei, it's a section of the, of the silent tefillah that we say uh, three times a day. So we mentioned the Ofanim and the chayot on Shabbos, we talk about them um, we also say we also talk about them um, in the in the actually sorry we mention them every every day in the kedusha but we also talk about them in the in parts of the tefillah that we say that's, that's actually not in kedusha but let's say during the brachos of shema um, different parts like that so you find these ofanim and chayot are mentioned and they seem to be references to a certain kind of what we call a malach. Uh, translated poorly as angel. We're going to talk exactly about what that means right now, what exactly is a malach. And then you have these other two things. The kisei hakavod is usually translated as Hashem's throne, some kind of throne. So what exactly that means? Because, you know, what exactly does it mean that Hashem even has a throne? Is he sitting on some kind of chair? Vatsilus. So the word atzilus is actually, ironically, the it's the one that is the closest to Hashem. In other words, it's the you can think about that as the, as the category that is furthest up towards Hashem's actual source. And yet, it's also the easiest to translate. The word atzilut literally means next do-ness. And so that word sort of signifies literally the category of parts or of the wiring that is next to Hashem. So that's very easy to sort of translate. Of course, what that actually means, we have to go into that a little more carefully. But kisea kavod is much harder to explain. Chayot and ofanim are also more difficult. So I'm going to just talk about malachim briefly to sort of give some background here, what that's talking about, so you can understand the next couple of paragraphs, which is that the word malach actually does not mean angel. The reason why it cannot mean angel is because the word angel doesn't really have much of a meaning. Um, we can kind of uh, impute whatever meaning we want into the word angel because it's an English word. And English words, um, we sort of attach our own ideas and associations of meaning. So when we explain the word malach now, if you want to mean, whenever you say the word angel, if you want to mean what I'm about to say when I say the word malach, that would actually be fine. But ironically, most of the time when you use the word angel, uh, even if you mean what I'm about to say, most of the time, most people will not know that's what you mean, and they'll just they'll just think about uh, white glowing creatures with wings or something like that. So let's just explain a little bit more here what the word malach actually means. So the word malach itself is actually a reference to what's called a messenger. You'll find that word is used very often to mean messenger in the Torah, in the text itself. 
And the concept of a messenger, so the, what a, and what a malach actually is, is a messenger is supposed to be a representative, a representation, representative of some aspect of the will of the sender. So if I'm sending a messenger somewhere, so it's, I, don't, I can't go myself, but I need some part of myself to get somewhere. So if I have, a, I, I have an idea, a message of some kind, something I want, to, I want to tell you, and you're far away, I need to package my message into some format that is now able to be transmitted over to you, and that, and that way through that message, so you can actually experience and encounter me even though I'm not actually there. That's what a messenger does. It's sort of like a package of my being inside of this package. So it's actually funny because today we have much better messengers for that. We have podcasts and all kinds of tools like podcasts where you can actually share your message even to people who are very far away using these intermediate tools, intermediary tools that allow for my message to be shared even though you are not where I am. But the word malach literally means an intermediary tool that will share my being in some way to somebody else who is not where I am. So once you understand that's what that means, so then you could also see how that would fit very well into this wiring structure that we're talking about here because what a malach actually is, is essentially a manifestation of Hashem's will. It's like it's trying, it's, it's some aspect of Hashem's will is now manifest through this messenger. So if Hashem's will is uh, that there should be a hydrogen atom, then there's a series of stages and, and units that translate Hashem's will uh, through these messenger systems into an actual ultimate result of a hydrogen atom. So we have to obviously, there's so much more to talk about in terms of the mechanics of how does Hashem's consciousness get turned into a hydrogen atom? How does that work? But just in terms of what these things mean, so Ofanim and Chayot refer to that kind of, that kind of situation. They are essentially, uh, uh, cre- they're creatures, creations, they are messengers that take Hashem's will and they essentially uh, translate it into being. And there is many, many different kinds here, and they're categorized here into two bl- block categories, Ofanim and Chayot, but um, there's obviously within that, if we're saying that these are just categorizations of these units and there's an endless number of units comprising this wire, just thousands and thousands of units, so then you have um, you have these two different categories, Ofanim and Chayot. Now, the words Ofanim and Chayot actually mean something important also, but we're going to leave that out for now because it's going to take us a little too far away. But the point is, that's what Malachim means. It means essentially messengers. And I just want to add one more detail to that, which is that Malachim are actually alive in a certain sense. In other words, if, if we think of aliveness as being conscious and self-aware, so Malachim, <coughs> excuse me, Malachim actually have aliveness and consciousness and self-awareness in a certain kind of way. And so the, that it's a little bit different than what we have as human beings. We are actually, our, our consciousness and self-awareness so we are blocked off from Hashem's larger consciousness in a, in, to a certain degree. Uh, the word for that blockage is called tzimtzum. So you are actually currently there. If, if you would be able to remove this tzimtzum, this blockage of Hashem's consciousness, then you would actually lose the sense that you have that you are separate from Hashem. Because since you have this blockage in the, in the programming of your mind, you experience yourself as if you are separate from Hashem right now, which is what allows you to have free will, to make decisions and do things that might go against what Hashem wants. You can do things that are potentially damaging because you actually are blocked off from seeing the totality of who you really are. You are actually, the total, the total you is actually a linkage to the larger consciousness that we call Hashem. 
but that's blocked off because of this thing called tzimtzum. So malachim, these types of uh, messenger uh, things, so they also are consciousness fragments, just like we are, but they don't have tzimtzum like that. The blockage between them and Hashem exists, but it's very minor. So that means that they can actually experience, they actually experience themselves as aspects of Hashem in a very intense way, which is why they don't actually have any real ability to make choices or, or change even. They're really very uh, static. They just do, they essentially just, whatever Hashem sort of transmits to them, they allow it to be transmitted through them. And they're very, very, um, you know, reliable transmitters and translation translators of Hashem's being into reality. Unlike human beings, Hashem tries to transmit himself through and to and through us, so we can make a choice. We can decide to operate as divine conduits for Hashem's presence in the world, or we can decide to not operate as those conduits and actually violate that and block out Hashem's being. So that's Malachim. That's, again, it's only a little intro to explain what they are. We'll get into that a little more as we go. Kisei HaKavod represents Hashem's actual... Uh, it's essentially on that wiring system... So it represents a certain stage that, again, is not as close to Hashem as Atzilut, but not yet as at, all the way down in the area of the Malachim. And it represents Hashem lowering himself to actually uh, interact with and involve himself in the physical universe that we experience through our senses. So the reason why that Kisei HaKavod means that is because the word Kisei is a chair, so that's the idea of Hashem sort of lowering himself to now limit himself in his scope and, and also it's, it represents a chair, a throne that Hashem uses to judge. And judging here does not mean like in a Christian sense, like God is judging you and you're going to get punished. The idea of Hashem judging means Hashem, um, just like if you judge your child and when you judge your child, when you judge somebody, it's, it's, that means that it's someone that you're interested in. You feel that, they're, that you have some kind of an investment in who they are and you're interested in what their life is about, and so you're trying to understand it and assess where they are at and like, sort of how they're set up. So that and that uh, implies involvement. And so the chair, the throne, the Kisei HaKavod, implies Hashem's involvement in this world and sort of, uh, uh, it's a, it sort of represents Hashem's uh, proactive decision-making to actually operate the world in a certain way and to create the world in a certain way instead of letting it just haphazardly exist. So it's an involvement concept. And kavodo literally means Hashem's presence. So in other words, it's that, that the chair sort of represents how Hashem now steps down his presence from being to, a total ocean of consciousness that is completely um, one and unified and there is no otherness there as it slowly enters into this phase of the kisei kavod. So then it gets, starts getting converted into this idea of otherness because now there's Hashem sort of like on a chair, again, as, a, as an analogy, sort of um, eva- evaluating the creation as something which exists outside of himself. So it's this idea of otherness and of separation that's embedded in the idea of this, of this chair. So the chair is an analogy for that part. And that's, again, when you start thinking about the wiring system, well, it makes total sense that that would be true because if we're talking about Hashem as an ocean of consciousness that is all totally one, what's called or ein sof pashut, that's the language that the Arizal uses. So if Hashem's consciousness is just or ein sof pashut, so then it has to undergo these tr- these conversions. Um, so one of those things it has to undergo is it has to be fragmented to allow the possibility of otherness. Because if it's just one 
conscious ocean, con- one, oh, sorry, one ocean of consciousness where there's no room for otherness. So then there's no room for otherness. There can't be any 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 involvement, any change, any any otherness going on. So the Kisei Kavod sort of represents the tool that Hashem uses in this system of tools to slowly convert his being into the universe that we see. And again, each of these plays a role. There's four of them, and they're all part of this wiring system. But, you know, the wiring, the wiring analogy starts to fall apart once you bring these tools in because you see that each tool sort of plays a different role. And it's sort of like these are conversion factors that as the consciousness goes through each of these stages, you can think of each one as sort of like a prism. And the Orain Sof is... Um, it's Hashem's undifferentiated being, undifferentiated consciousness. Each of these four layers sort of converts it and refracts it and fragments it to lead to ultimately the manifestation of the universe as we see it. So that's what that line means. Let's just read a little more and see if we can get a little further with this. V'nishmas kol echad hu ha'olam she'alav. So each of these four layers, and really this is true about all of the different layers, the neshama, which we can think of right now as the animating consciousness life force, so you can think of it as, okay, we have on the bottom, we have Ofanim. They're the ones that are closest to the physical universe. Then we have Chayot above them. And then above that is the Kisei Kavod, And above that is Atzilut. And above that is, is Hashem. So what we're saying here is, Nishmat kol echad olam she'alav. The, the, light, the animating life force, the animating consciousness life force of each of these, uh, that life force is the layer above it. In other words, the bottom layer, Ofanim, so the animating life force of Ofanim are the Chayot. In other words, Ofanim are basically just Chayot dressed up in Ofanim coverings. And then the Chayot are really just the Kisea Kavod dressed up in Chayot coverings. And then uh, the Kisea Kavod is actually really just Atzilut dressed up in Kisea Kavod coverings. And then Atzilut itself is actually just Orain Sof that is covered in the Atzilut covering of the prism. So if you think about that, that's really, really you know, you just that, that, that's a pretty wild type of thought process there, because ultimately it kind of means that if you look at one of the Ofanim, you are basically seeing uh, four layers of clothing covering up the Orain Sof. And what's cool about that is that when you deal with another person, so uh, other people are struck, like we are all structured in, very, in exactly the same way. In other words, if I deal with a person, so the person's self, which is endless, right? That's really, think about that, it's fundamentally true in terms of how we think about people, is that the idea that you are irreplaceable and that you are somehow, you even intuit that you are someone and that you're like, you say things to yourself like, well, where will I go when I die? But you intrinsically know that you're, you feel like you're not just your body, that you're more than that. Well, what we're saying here is that in order for us to experience, whenever we, whenever you look at another person, in order to experience them, so you got to look deeper than just their body. When you look at somebody's body and you fixate on their looks or on their personality or the way that they think, so then that actually is what we call objectifying them, where now you're fixating on their body. So that's going to be very unhealthy. And the idea here is that you're supposed to look through the clothing. You have to realize that the body is clothing, the personality is clothing, the emotions are clothing, the thoughts are clothing, and ultimately you're looking for the self that is shining out through each of those layers and is kind of covered up by those layers. Same thing is true with Hashem. And so we're saying over here that um, these things are each clothing for the one for the one above it. Ultimately, all four of them are clothing for the one above all of them, which is Hashem. And then he gives an example from the text, Shenemar, from this is from Yechezkel, one of the Nevi'im. Uh, so Yechezkel is actually the first parak of Yechezkel is famous for describing the actual process of nevuah, in which you can actually learn how to see Hashem, how to uh, unlock the deeper and deepest layers of consciousness, deepest, but very close to the deepest layers of consciousness, 
that you would have to unlock in order to experience what we call an English prophecy, which really just means a welling up of intense consciousness, uh, intense expanded consciousness from within yourself through the connection that you share with Hashem. So that's what's happening here with what Yechezkel is saying. When the chaos would sort of like rise up, so then the ofanim would also kind of opposite them also rise. Because the, the spirit of the chayah was actually inside the ofanim. So of course, when one when the chayos move, so the ofanim also do because they are, as it says, when the chayos are moving, so the ofanim move in tandem, and when they stand, so the ofanim uh, stand also in tandem. And the chayos themselves also operate based on the layer of, up above of the kisei. Moshe Amru, Chazal, just like Chazal said, the sages of the, of the Gemara and the Medrash, Sha kisei noseas nosav, the chair carries its carriers. In other words, so if the, the chair is being escorted in the story of Yechezkel by these chayos and ofanim, so what it's saying here, what Chazal said about this, is that they, they described it as, well, the chair is actually carrying those who are escorting it. Ironically, even though the, the escorts seem like they're the ones who are kind of carrying the chair, but the chair is actually carrying them. Uvezor Chadash Yisro, another Zohar, the Chayos, uh, we'll just read the Hebrew, Chayos Nosos, Nosinosam, the Chayos carry those that are carrying them. In other words, the Chayos are carrying the Ofanim, even though the Ofanim are carrying them. Hakisei Kadosh Noseas Chayos, and the Kisei carries the Chayos. And then it goes on, he says, Venishma Sachayim Shal Kisei, and the animating life force of the chair. So that which is the animating life force of the of the chair itself. So we already described that's called atzilus. But let's just see what exactly is atzilus. Now he's going to tell us a little bit about that. That is the that is the root, the high root of the to, of the total of the we'll say of the total or the inclusive neshamos of Yisrael yachad, all the neshamos of Bnei Yisrael. In other words, if you think of the neshamos of Bnei Yisrael, that means Bnei Yisrael is supposed to be the um, the consciousness trans, you know, transmitters in the world. That's who we are. That's who we're supposed to be. And so we have, there's essentially 600,000 different facets or fragments of, of our neshamos. In other words, you could think of it as if there was one person who has 600,000 different aspects or facets and so each of us is sort of like an expression of that that one self. And there's obviously much more to unpack there, but that because it sort of implies that you could think of it as we're really all just one person looking at the world through different eyes, through different frames of reference. That's what we're saying here. But the point is that above the chair is this core neshama that like it's and again, Atsilos is means next to ness. So you think about it as there is sort of like, well, if Hashem is the Orain Sof, the ocean of consciousness that is completely one, one and undifferentiated. So the first phase of Hashem differentiating himself into the physical universe is Atzilus, and that's what he's saying here. That is where Hashem essentially differentiates out a, a giant fragment of consciousness from this undifferentiated conscious ocean, consciousness ocean, that's called the Neshamos of Yisrael, and that's basically, you can think of it as the, the one self that is all of the that is able to be broken down into six hundred thousand fragments of self that we experience as the as the neshamos of Bnei Israel, and then obviously has to be explained further too because there aren't only six hundred thousand people of Bnei Israel today. So the question is why is that the number? But we'll have to do that separately. But the point is that that one self that includes all of the of the facets of of the neshamos of Bnei Israel, 
That is what we mean when we say atzilus here. That's sort of uh, that's that's sort of like a, the initial part of atzilus. That is the part that animates that's, that animates the kisei. It's above the kisei. Shehu yoser gavoa meod nale gam kisei. It's 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 above the chair. Shehu haadam shal kisei, and it's represented by this man who is actually on top of the kisei, who's sitting, who's sort of floating above the, the chair. it says in Yecheskel, Val adam. So you could actually see above the chair. There's um, there's sort of like a shape of a of a person there, so that's the that's sort of what the, the uh, that's the beginning of understanding what atzilus is. It's sort of like a purely formed fragment of that consciousness that is that we call the orient sof, and then it goes through these different stages and eventually it manifests as the entire universe uh, and also the people in the universe. And there's much to talk about with that. But we're going to end with this part for now. That's basically the end of part 5.2. Hope you enjoyed that. Feel free to reach out with questions and comments. And I'm looking forward to sharing more in the next podcast.